You're listening to the Farm Report Podcast with Jake and Corey, brought to you by Indians Baseball Insider and broadcast on the Smoke Signals Podcast Network. We're talking tribe. happen to be tuning in, we are glad to have you aboard. I'm Jake Dungan, Editor-in-Chief for Indians Baseball Insider, welcoming you to this week's edition of the Farm Report Podcast. And boy, what we've got so much to talk about, uh, promotions. We can spend most of the show talking about uh, all the promotions within the farm system this past week, and uh, team, guys moving to new teams to finish out the season, and here to talk with me about everything that's gone on these recent transactions is... Uh, my friend, colleague, and co-host, uh, Corey Christen. Corey, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing great, Jake. Sorry a day late. Uh, some schedule conflicts happened, but, you know, as usual, we're back. And, yeah, we got plenty of promotions. We got prospect teams of the week. We got players of the month. We got all-stars. We got a lot going on this week within the Indian system. It's really a good week for the system. And, uh, as always, it's great to be back talking about it. It is indeed. So, uh since we have so much to talk about, let's get right into it and talk about some of these promotions. Uh, you know, every level is, is seeing some uh, new players uh, join the team and some players depart. So uh, we say we uh, get right down to it and talk about some of these uh, some of these promotions starting in AAA, where we've had two notable players. Uh, Bobby Bradley and Henry Martinez promoted to Columbus. Bradley, of course, being one of the top slugging prospects in the organization, if not the top slugging prospect. And then Henry Martinez, who has really burst onto the scene this year as uh, a high-profile relief prospect. There's, there's been some scouting reports that have circulated around on social media and starting to hype him up a little bit. And, of course, his numbers speak for himself, for themselves. And him being as dominant as he's been this year, and now he's in Columbus, You know, I know that there's going to be a 40-man move that will have to be made by the – It'd be nice to see him get a, maybe a September call-up and see a, get a taste of the Major League action because he looks like he's uh, on on the verge of uh, making a big league impact at some point later this year or, or next year. Uh, speaking of good relievers, in Akron we have James Karinczak promoted and from Lynchburg. Uh, then down in Lynchburg we had Nolan Jones, Tyler Freeze, Kyle Nelson, and Austin Wade brought up from Lake County, so a lot of... Uh, a lot of players on the move there. And uh, in Lake County, Luis Oviedo, Adam Scott, and Dakota Clemmer uh, joined the captains. And then down in Mahoning Valley, Jefferson Yanuzzi from the Arizona League joined uh, Mahoning Valley. Uh, Yanuzzi's a pretty good pitcher and has been for Arizona and I think for the Dominican Summer League as well. And also has probably my favorite name in the farm system right now. <laughs> so, uh yeah, we say that's a pretty good one. Yeah, so let's start right at the top of this list. Uh, Bobby Bradley and Henry Martinez. I mean, Bradley we know uh, hasn't had uh, a stellar year, but he's he's racking up the numbers. You know, he's probably he's going to have twenty twenty five or more homers this year. Uh, so the power's still there. Uh, still looking for that to get that average up, and still looking to uh, you know make better contact, but. 
you know, like I said, the numbers are there. He's moving up. Uh, he's one level away from the majors. Uh, we'll see how that pans out. And then Henry Martinez, who's, like I said, breakout year in the bullpen, really uh, working his way onto the uh, prospect scene and for the relief pitching side of things. Uh, what do you what do you say about these moves? And if you want to include uh, Nelly Rodriguez being sent back to Akron on the tail end of that deal or or that uh, transaction, uh, you can include that as well. Yeah, I'll get that out of the way real quick. This this just feels like the end for Nelly Rodriguez, and he really could just never figure out how to hit for average or get his on base up or start to draw walks. I mean, really, it was it was boomer bust for him, and. You know, regardless of what happens next, the the sentiment, at least in my head, is that this is the beginning of the end for him. But a new beginning for Bobby Bradley, who, let's face it, we, we've known for a while now that the Indians have been breeding him to be the next big-time first baseman in Cleveland. And we talked about this, I believe, when I was on Smoke Signals with you and Justin uh, a couple weeks ago. And the Indians signing Yonder Alonso it kind of dates back to this, why they didn't sign Carlos Santana. Well, they figure you get Alonzo on a cost-effective deal, which it's paying dividends already. Alonzo and Santana are having comparable seasons. But not only that, but a a short-term deal like Alonzo gets bridges the gap so Bobby Bradley can take over. So him getting this promotion to Columbus is kind of that next step in this whole thing. Once Yonder Alonzo's contract expires in Cleveland – not saying they wouldn't renew it, but at the same time, you would think that Bobby Bradley would be fully ready to take over that starting role as a first baseman. We know about his power. We know his walk rates improved. We know his strikeout percentages are, are starting to decline slightly. So he's taken all the right steps. So this promotion certainly earned. I'm really intrigued by Henry Martinez because this is a guy that's kind of, like you said, flown under the radar. We really haven't talked about but when you look at his his career as a whole, he's been pretty solid. 336 ERA in 134 appearances, um, a one or 189 strikeouts to 63 walks. So that's uh, a pretty good number. It's about it's a three to one ratio. Um, really intriguing prospect Henry Martinez has turned into, and maybe a, perhaps a dark horse to take one of those bullpen spots in Cleveland if they really need him uh, come September. Yeah, I'm looking at. Uh, I'm trying to find. Uh, the scouting report I saw on Twitter on Martinez, and uh, while I'm looking for that, just just to kind of uh, go off your point on Bobby Bradley, um, I think that there might be a chance that he's not he's he's a little bit behind in his development as far as where the Indians want him to be versus where he is now. I'm not saying that he's you know uh, going in the wrong direction. I just don't. I I just maybe think he's not going in the right direction as fast as some would like. Um, so uh, we'll see how he continues to develop there. But like I said, he's still got the power. He's still uh, he's making better contact, but there's still room for improvement. He's drawn a few more walks. There's still room for improvement. He's, he's cutting down on the strikeouts, which is nice. Uh, you know, he's at one point, you know, he was up there with Nelly Rodriguez in terms of strikeouts. But, uh, yeah, he's gradually starting to improve on that. So this time at the end of the season in AAA, I think it's good for him because, you know, I don't think he was personally expecting to be back in Akron. And at first was – maybe it may have been a little disappointed in that. But, of course, you know, the 
Mike Napoli and Nelly Rodriguez contingent to start the year, and Columbus kind of uh, put a monkey wrench into things. But uh, now Bradley should be there to stay in Columbus, and I think that uh, for him this is going to be a this is going to be a good thing. And uh, I think I saw in one of the quotes in one of the game reports uh, that either uh, Colin or Bodie had sent in uh, when Bradley first made his uh, AAA debut. He talked about how he said. Talking about how we think that he uh, belongs in AAA, so uh, take that for what it's worth. But uh, I think he feels like he's in a better place now, and hopefully he's able to take that and run with that. But uh, Henry Martinez, though, uh, he's got 94, 97 miles per hour with his fastball and a good slider and uh, solid average control, at least according to scouting reports that uh, have been out there right now. And... You know, the numbers certainly back that up. I mean, pulling up his numbers right now. And you look at him and see that in uh, 40 appearances on the year, he's got a 3.57 ERA between Lynchburg, Akron, and Columbus. Uh, and he's got 44 strikeouts and 40 and third innings, 37 hits. You know, not terrible. He's only allowed two home runs, which is nice to see. Not giving up a lot of the long balls. Uh only 13 walks, so he's not he's got decent control. So between the stuff he has and you know the numbers he's put up, a 2.45 average against, 124 whip, not 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 terrible in any respects. Probably could be a little bit better for a back end reliever type, but uh, you you would think with the talent he possesses and the stuff he possesses that he would uh, he would be able to uh, continue to improve. So again, I, I say. Watching towards, looking towards September and then towards next season, Martinez could be an interesting factor in the bullpen, which, you know, now you add in guys like uh, Hand and Simber and possibly uh, Miller and uh, uh, Cody Allen heading for free agency. A guy like Martinez could be even more interesting, even come spring training next year. So we'll see. But uh, but I agree with you on Nelly Rodriguez. I think that the uh, the clock is just about up on him. Because he just, his couple of years in Columbus, he just never went to that next level. I mean, he still had some power. And he still has probably some of the best power in the organization. But he's he's too one-dimensional. You know, he's got the power. He's got, he strikes out a lot. And um, he has a little uh, consistency making contact with the bat or has shown little improvement in that department. So uh, all these moves make sense to me, and I'm looking forward to seeing how they uh, pan out in the future. So uh, moving down to Akron, though, speaking of good relievers, James Karachak rode to Akron from Lynchburg. And Karachak, boy, you talk about guys who had a guy who has strikeout stuff. I mean, he's striking out nearly two batters per inning uh, this season. The only problem is he's also giving up a lot of walks. So the control isn't quite there, but clearly the stuff is good enough to that he's going to miss a lot of bats. So if you can just tighten up that control and command a little bit more, he is going to be something special, I think, for the Indians as far as relievers go. And uh, he was pretty highly thought of coming out of the draft. He was already in the top prospect rankings right out of the draft, and I don't think he's uh, gone anywhere ever since then based on his performance this year. I don't, that continues to be the case. What I like about James Karinchak and – this is kind of going hand-in-hand hand with what you said. The strikeout stuff is there, but when he doesn't strike someone out or walk someone, 
He allows very few hits. Opponents are hitting 179 off him this season, and he limits damage. Now, I think his biggest Achilles heel is the walks. Um, he's got 28 walks in 34 games this year, so you certainly want to see that number down. But this is a guy drafted last year. He's already floated through four different levels of the system. I mean, he's, he's flying right now. Spent all of last season in Mahoney Valley, of course, coming off the college year. Only had 10 appearances, but he started six games. Then the organization moves him to the bullpen this season full-time. 34 appearances. He's 4-1 with a 113 ERA and a 179 average against, like I said. Now, that being said, his whip is up to 1.30. So you attribute that to the walks, and that's what you get. So for Karinchak, quite literally, it's about finding that consistent command and limiting those walks. And this guy could fly through the system even quicker. He could be in Columbus next season, maybe even Cleveland come September. So he's a really intriguing name to keep your eye on as we go into the end of this season and even into camp next year. Yeah, his uh, time in double-A, I mean, he's only had a, had uh, two appearances and given up a run and on two hits and ending in two-thirds. So not much to go on there. He has walked four and struck out two, so a uh, little bit of the same uh, – Problems there, although the walk rate is up a little bit more. Um, what's intriguing about him is, yeah, he's giving up walks, and that's going to uh, uh, inflate his whip number a little bit. But as you said, he's not giving up a lot of hits, 179 average, 24 hits, and 40 innings of work. But he's also not giving up home runs. He's only has one home run given up in 40 innings, and in his career so far, he only has two homers given up in 63 and a third innings. So... Yeah, even if he has the walks, and um, he's not going to get hurt, at least if he continues on the same trend uh, that he has been on since he uh, joined the organization in the professional ranks. But, yeah, ideally for, like, if you want him to be in the late innings, you don't want him to be giving up a lot of base runners because, as we well know in Cleveland, guys who put runners on base are the kind that give you, uh, that give you uh, high blood pressure. And hypertension in the uh, eighth yeah, and ninth yeah. inning, but even no matter how often or how effective they are in getting out of it, but uh, so yeah, hopefully Karen check can improve on that command. But yeah, that strikeout stuff. I mean, sixty-seven strikeouts in forty innings. That's that that's legit right there. I think that um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, just off the top of my head, I, I would say that has to be up there, if not the leader in uh, the Indians minor league system in strikeouts uh, per nine innings. Uh, do the quick math here. You know, the 67 and 40 innings is uh, 15.1 strikeouts per nine innings this year. That's like Shane Bieber-esque number. Yeah. That's a Shane Bieber number right there with strikeouts. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, hopefully that, but unlike Shane Bieber, the, the strikeout to walk ratio isn't quite as good. It's still, still pretty good. I mean, he's up over, up over two for, for one. So, uh, but still, you know, twenty eight walks and in forty innings, still, still a little bit up there than more up there than you would like. So, we'll see what he does in Double A because it's going to be as it is for many uh, players. It's going to be a, a true test for him and his talents. But uh, based on the numbers he's put up so far, I think he's going to fare well in the long run. Um, going down to Lynchburg, this is this is where things get kind of interesting. Is uh, 
with Nolan Jones, Tyler Freeze, Ty- Kyle Nelson, Austin Wade. Nolan Jones, I think we may have discussed last week, but uh, uh, he, after the season he put up in Lake County, he was well-deserving of promotion. I mean, he was right up there with Will Benson in terms of leading the league and leading the team in home runs, and I'm sure he was up there with the league lead, too, for the Midwest League. He's up there uh, hitting for good average, really overcame the slow start he had this year. So, uh, good on him, moving up to the next level, and getting the first taste of Lynchburg, where he'll likely start the year next year. Uh, Kyle Nelson, another one where, actually, I I think many would argue he should have been promoted uh, months ago, but he's up there now uh, after putting up dominant numbers in Lake County all year this year. Austin Wade and Tyler Freeze are kind of interesting, though, because both of them have missed a lot of time uh, recently due to injury, and I think both are back within, like, a couple weeks, uh, the last couple weeks, coming off the disabled list. And there are, they've already been promoted up to Lynchburg now. Not that these two don't have talent. I mean, Freeze was playing pretty well before he, he got hurt. And uh, Austin Wade uh, wasn't quite putting things together in Lake County this year, but he also had some injury troubles. But uh, that, based on his talent and what he did last year in Mahoney Valley, I guess I can understand. I think he's a, He's a college arm too, from uh, or a college player too from uh, TCU, so makes sense in some respects there. But those four players going up to Lynchburg, Corey, what are your thoughts? I I know that Nolan Jones has had some good power numbers, but um, he really turned around a rocky start. He was hurt earlier in the season, so he was he was batting below the Mendoza line, if not around it, and then he just really caught fire, and he ended up hitting. 279 in Lake County before getting called up. And um, by the way, since you brought it up, Will Benson's second in the Midwest League with 17 home runs, and Nolan Jones's third, uh, tied for third rather, with 16. So the FYI there. Um, but Jones, you know, he he really did deserve this. He, you know, caught fire midseason. He looks healthy. He's been swinging a hot bat. Um, the power's been there. He's hitting for a pretty solid average. So, yeah, certainly a well-deserved promotion. You mentioned Tyler Freeze, and I think with this crop of middle infielders that the Indians have developed in the lower levels, you know, they trade Willie Castro away to go get Leonis Martin for the for outfield help in Cleveland. And part of the reason is, you know, Freeze is listed as a third baseman, but he certainly could play second or in some short. You got guys like Tyler Freeze. Ernie Clement, who you and I are both high on, obviously. Uh, Jesse Berardi, Tyler Freeman, the list goes on pretty deep. So when you have a guy like Tyler Freeze, who puts together a season like he does in Lake County, he hits, coincidentally, 279 again. Not big power numbers, but he doesn't strike out a lot. 31 walks compared to 25 strikeouts. Very patient hitter, good for 376 on base. He doesn't hit for a lot of power, but he does those those little things really well at the plate, and um, Luke Carlin took notice of that last season. They give him he gave him a pretty significant amount of playing time in Mahoning Valley in 2017. He got 33 games played, and that's coming out of college with a loaded middle infield that included um, it included Berardi, it included Samad Taylor for a little bit. So Tyler Freeze, as a 21st round pick, nonetheless, has kind of really raised some eyebrows as one of those sleeper picks that has done really well this season. So 
those two guys are the ones that really stood out to me among all these all these promotions that happened. The, the Lynchburg ones had the most, but those two out of that Lynchburg group were really intriguing to me. Yeah, Freeze is probably one of the more intriguing under-the-radar players because, uh, as you said, he's very patient, draws a lot of walks. He can hit the ball out of the park. Don't let his side school you. He can, uh, he can muscle the ball here and there. Um, and he can hit for a high average, play solid defense. So, you know, I, 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 I like a guy like Tyler Freeze because he's unassuming. You know, nobody would really expect him to be uh, the type of player that he is. But if he continues on this track, he could be uh, something. He could turn into something for the Indians uh, down the line. And then, uh, yeah, Nolan Jones, uh, what a board could you say? Just well-deserved on all fronts. Uh, and then Kyle Nelson, well-deserved on all fronts, too. I don't want to uh, brush him aside and brush his accomplishments aside because he was just flat-out dominant for Lake County and their bullpen all year. And, uh could be another uh, bullpen option down down the line for the Indians. Uh, and Austin Wade, uh, again, the injuries kind of derailed the season a little bit, but uh, I think he's a good, scrappy player and uh, could uh, really help the, some, team, some team, either the Indians or somebody else down the road as a, uh, like a fourth outfielder type or somebody, just somebody who can be the, the scrappy, solid, uh, on-all-fronts outfielder that uh, he has proven to be, at least in the short time, he's been with the organization. And then uh, I know that Corey's a little bit uh, tugging at your heartstrings because uh, these are guys who were, are no longer with the Scrappers who are uh, struggling a little bit because of it now. Uh, Luis Oviedo, Adam Scott, Dakota, and Dakota Clemmer promoted to Lake County. Oviedo, obviously, that's the toast of the minor league system right now with his dominant start to this season with the Scrappers. Adam Scott, very underrated season he's put together, but uh, uh, he's been pretty solid for the Scrappers, and now with the the captain, I think he had a pretty solid debut uh, with the captains uh, this week, if my uh, mind doesn't deceive me. And then Clemmer, really uh, solid bullpen piece for the Scrappers this year. I think he was in Lake County earlier this year to start the year, I think, and... Uh, so we got Oviedo, uh, international signing from a few years back. Scott is a draft pick from this past year. And then Dakota Clemmer, I think, from last year or two years ago was a draft pick as well. So those three guys, uh, three pitchers uh, going up to Lake County to join that staff. Uh, Corey, I'm setting aside your uh, personal bias uh, on <laughs> wanting to still have them with the team, what's your, what are your thoughts there? Those three were workhorses for Mahoning Valley, and I'll go with Clemmer. Out of the bullpen, he was really just a, a guy that mowed hitters down. 22 strikeouts to two walks in Mahoning Valley, good for a 0.74 whip. I mean, he was nearly unhittable with the scrappers. He gave up 13 base hits in 20 and a third innings. So he inher- the thing about Clemmer was he kind of inherited a lot of runners, um, he allowed seven earned runs in those 20 innings, but his ERA, nonetheless, is at 1.77, so it's not inflated by any means. Um, 13 appearances with the Scrappers, too. So all he's done this season is put together a really just a solid season, even in uh, Lake County, already has seven appearances under his belt. So Luke Carlin's getting use out of him. Adam Scott, a fourth-round draft pick this season out of Wofford. Um, of course, with... This happens every year with college arms, especially 
um, and, and they were drafted real high. This happened the same thing with Shane Bieber and Aaron Savali a couple years ago in Mahoning Valley. Um, it happened this year with Adam Scott and Alex Royalty in uh, Mahoning Valley. Scott, um, he's not going to throw many innings this year, obviously coming off a of college season. Uh, that being said, he's thrown 22 innings in 10 appearances. So it's, it may look like, well, he's got 10 appearances, but he's a starter. Well, he hasn't started the game. He's kind of piggybacking off of other guys. So that's why you might not be seeing uh, anything coming from Adam Scott. But he's already progressed through the Arizona League, Mahoney Valley, and now he's in Lake County. Uh, with the captains, by the way, he tossed three innings, gave up four hits, and no runs. So certainly positive. Um, he doesn't have big strikeout stuff, but at the same time, he doesn't walk batters. So he, he's been very solid this season. And then uh, Oviedo, like you said, kind of the kind of the talk of the town with, within the system and pitching. Um, Flat-out dominant Mahoning Valley. Would have been an all-star selection had he still be there. Um, yeah, 19 years old, already one of the top arms in the system. Scouts are raving about him. In his last start in Mahoney Valley, he touched 96 on his fastball in, in about the fourth inning. Um, so, yeah, he's just been flat-out dominant this season. He's 5-2, 1.70 ERA across all levels. And then he comes out in Lake County, and he gives five shutout innings for the captains in his, in his debut, and he got the win. So, yeah, Oviedo's been spectacular this season. He has indeed. And that 96 miles per hour, to get, get a, a radar gun on him and find out how – Exactly, uh, you know how fast he's throwing is another added uh, added level of excitement to uh, what has been a very very intriguing season and uh, something that has a lot of people and uh, justifiably so excited for the future. Uh, I think about this uh, crop of the Indians starting pitching depth that they have, and you know you already have Shane Bieber in Cleveland. You got. Tristan McKenzie and Aaron Savali in Akron. You also got Adam Plutko in Columbus, if you want to include him. Then you go down to Lynchburg, you got a guy like Eli Morgan and uh, Sam Henkes, Lake County. You have now Luis Oviedo, and uh, I guess you can still include Juan Hillman and maybe Brady Aiken, although, you know, we don't know what's going on with him. Uh, then, uh, of course, uh, Mahoney Valley, you got guys like Adam Scott, the new the newbies coming in. Uh, who can help out at some point. There, there are some really intriguing pitchers working their way up through the system. And, uh, you know, we all know that the days of Kluber, Bauer, and Carrasco are not going to last forever. Uh, but, you know, you throw in guys like Bieber and Clevenger along with uh, uh, potentially Tristan McKenzie and uh, Eli Morgan and uh, Oviedo. Uh, they're, they're, the Indians are poised to uh, really – rebuild their rotation nicely, and uh, I'm not saying that it is what's going to happen, because you never know how these prospects are going to pan out, but uh, it's a pretty nice crop, uh, if I do say so myself, and I think the Indians are in a good position to try and rebuild uh, what they have internally uh, in within the next, like, maybe three to five years to come. Curious to see what they plan to do with Oviedo, being he's only 19, and I mean... We, we kind of saw this with Tristan McKenzie. I'm not saying Oviedo is going to flat-out dominate every level, but w with Tristan McKenzie, it became a case of where does he get challenged? Remember, he breezed through Mahoney Valley, you know, kind of struggled with Lake County after the promotion, but breezed through Lynchburg, led minor league baseball strikeouts, 
And now he's in Akron, and it's not that he's, you know, blowing stuff by hitters and dominating that league. But at the same time, you can tell there's a little bit of growing pains. So I'm feeling the same vibe with Oviedo. Just from the fact that he's 19, he's a 6'4 built guy. He's already touching 96 on a fastball. What happens when he grows and he turns 20 and 21 and he grows into that frame? Where is he going to hit that? He's not going to hit a wall, but where is he going to hit that little roadblock? I'm curious to see what the Indians organization plans for him because even at as young of an age he is, I feel like he could start next season in Lynchburg and fare off pretty well. But it's going to be fascinating to keep an eye on him as he develops. Yep, and uh, we'll keep an eye on all these starting pitchers as they develop, and uh, we'll see if the Indians can rebuild from within and uh, everything goes to plan. Uh, last note on these promotions, Jefferson Yanuzzi, a guy who not a lot of people know and are probably chuckling right now at that name. Yes, that is a real guy, and uh, he's been in the system for a little while now, um, mostly in Arizona and uh, Dominican Summer League. Uh, going Dating back to 2016, he was – Probably signed before that. Uh, yeah, in 2015 as a non-drafted free agent. I guess 21 years old. That's kind of odd to see uh, a guy already 21 years old, an uh, uh, international free agent, just now making their way up to Mahoning Valley. But then again, you know, you got college arms that age starting there too. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's just a little unusual for a uh, international uh, player. So. Uh, but this year, between uh, Arizona and Mahoning Valley, he was uh, 3-0 and with a 2.16 ERA, 46 strikeouts and 41 and two-thirds innings. Uh, hitters were only batting 2.18 against him. He had a 125 whip. Uh, so, uh, you know, 18 walks compared to those 46 strikeouts. Uh, he's having a pretty good season, and, then, and uh, it's probably a better season. Well, it's... I mean, he had a 260 ERA and, uh, in uh, the Dominican Summer League last year with 53 strikeouts and 55 in the third innings. But, uh, yeah, I would say between the strikeouts uh, and yeah, basically pretty much the strikeouts, he's having a, a more of a breakout year in that department. But he's pretty much on par with everything else he's done in his career to date. So uh, I'm excited to see uh, – what this guy's capable of, because I think he might be one of the more underrated uh, pitching prospects. And now that he's in the affiliated ranks, I, I'm excited to see uh, what he can do and if he can continue to uh, maintain that uh, consistency he's shown throughout most of his minor league career to date. Yeah, you make a good point about it. He's 21, but at the same time, he spent the past three seasons in the minor league. So you can kind of think of this as a college arm. Yanuzi is a 6-2-175 listed left-hander from Venezuela, and it's it pronounced Jefferson Januzzi on the radio, but it's spelled with a Y. I love the name. Um, the thing about Januzzi, Yanuzi, whatever you want to call him, the, the scrappers dugout called him Uzi, so maybe I'll just do that. But regardless of what he's named, he's had a steady improvement over the past three seasons. His biggest Achilles heel is walks, and his strikeout-to-walk rate over the past two seasons has been about 1-to-1. 30 strikeouts compared to 26 walks in 2016, and then 53 strikeouts to 43 walks last season. So far this season, he's at 46-18. and So that's been a steady improvement over the past few seasons with his command. And 
maybe if he did figure it out sooner and he didn't have those command issues, then he would have been in Mahoney Valley last season or maybe even, um, you know, not necessarily in 2016, but maybe he would have been in Mahoney Valley last season. But at the same time, it's been that steady improvement, a 331 ERA in 2016, a 260 ERA last season, and right now he's at 216 uh, with three wins. He's a perfect 3-0 and with both Mahoney Valley and the Arizona League. So he's been consistently improving at that. So it's a good corresponding move given that you lose, you being Mahoney Valley, loses Oviedo and Scott, two of its top arms, and then Alex Royalty is off the roster right now for – um, some undisclosed reasons. I'm not sure on this situation. I haven't been told anything, so I'm not here to report why he's off the team. I just know I just noticed he was off the roster, and uh, you got to wish him the best and whatever's going on. But um, so you get a guy like this, and he's been tabbed as you know one of the better pitchers down in the Arizona League, and so far it's looking pretty good. Um, you know he had one start in Mahoney Valley. He threw five innings, gave up an earned run on three hits, and he struck out four and. Uh, he walked three, so not a bad first outing for uh, Januzzi up in Mahoney Valley. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I, I happened to come across his name uh, last year, and, of course, you know, you come across a name like that, it's hard not to forget it, but and uh, uh, I, I just happened to notice how well he was pitching as well, and uh, that stuck in my mind, and uh, see him continue to pick up where he left off last uh, from last year, over into this season, uh, that's that's good to see, and I think it's uh, he's a guy that more people should probably get to know better uh, as his career moves forward, and he continues to pitch now uh, in the affiliated ball ranks. But uh, well, we spent a lot of time on those promotions, uh, already over half an hour here into this uh, podcast. <laughs> but uh, I know a lot some- of them. That's why there's a lot of them. Yeah, lots of discuss there, but uh, I know we got some Mahoney Valley stuff we want to get to, uh, some uh, uh, accolades to discuss, some all-star nods to uh, announce, but before we get to that, I want to discuss for a little bit Yandy Diaz in Columbus, and this is something that people have discussed on social media, and people have written articles about, and yeah, everything, and the, all of them are asking the same question at this point, and that is... What does this guy have left to prove in the minor leagues? This year in in Columbus, he's batting 294 with a 412 OPS, or on base percentage, rather. Uh, he's not hitting for a lot of power still, which is probably something the Indians would like to see him do, but, you know, he's hitting for average and getting on base. That's still a value no matter what kind of, uh, what kind of uh, physical uh, body type he is. Uh, he's... Got an eight, even 800 OPS, so he's clearly a very productive player with or without the power. He's got three homers and 23 doubles on the air with 38 RBIs. He's got 69 walks versus 72 strikeouts, so an almost even ratio there, which is on par with his career. And what I really want to talk about, though, is since the All-Star break, he's batting 321 with a 389 OPS. Uh, on base percentage, 444 slugging percentage, so he's actually improved in that department, and an 834 OPS. So he's got two home runs in 21 games since the break, and four doubles, 11, uh, 14 RBIs, 11 walks versus 12 strikeouts. And then when he was in Cleveland this year for a, 
hot minute, four games. He batted 500, you know, seven for 14 with a triple, two RBIs. And uh, he didn't walk, but he only had one strikeout. So I know he had a poor showing his first time around in Cleveland last early last season. And maybe, I don't know, Terry Francona sometimes, as much as I love and respect him and, and hardly ever question what he does, I don't know what some of these – some of these uh, rookies seem to uh, leave a bad taste in his mouth at first, and it's hard for him to get past it. I mean, I don't know what's going on in his mind or the decision-making with the roster, but uh, it seems to me and to a lot of people from the outside that Yandy Diaz should be on the roster right now and probably should have been on the roster for a while. And so my question to you, Corey and even though you're probably not going to have much of a better answer than I am, is what does Yandy Diaz have to prove, or what does he have to do to get on to the major league roster in Cleveland for a long-term, for a long-term stretch? Um, well, the answer is nothing. What is he? The question: What does he have to do? Nothing else. He's he's doing it right now. Like you said, hitting for average, not necessarily for power, but that's fine because he's got gap power. He's not striking out a ton. He's drawn walks. He's got a pretty nice on base. His OPS is very good. I mean, he just, he's doing what he has to do. That's the problem. And he's got to be pissed off at this. I, if you're Yandy Diaz and you're listening to this podcast, you have to be, you should be pissed off right now, says me. It, it's absurd. Can you say it in Spanish? Uh, yes, but, <laughs> yes, but it's not safe for work. Um, look, the, the, the deal is plain and simple. It's not, it's nothing that I don't think we could read further into than this. Yanni Diaz is doing what he has to do to go to Cleveland. The Indians organization is not sending him to Cleveland. I don't know how else to put it because the Indians outfield scenario as it is, is rocky. Chisholm Hall's down, uh, Naquin's down, Zimmer's down. You, you've got you're, you got to get some production from that from that position, and I get it. Maybe Yandy Diaz is developing more into a third baseman than an outfielder, but that's still not an excuse because we've seen Terry Francona's willingness to put Jason Kipnis in the outfield, albeit maybe not the best move defensively, but it's still a move that can be made if you want to keep Kipnis's bat in the lineup. Or simply, if you want to have Yandy Diaz play third base, because you can move Jose Ramirez to second base, and he's spectacular there as well. So, they're running, I, I feel like the Indians is, are running out of excuses to keep Yandy Diaz shelved in the minor leagues. And that's really a shame to say, because this is a starting third baseman, or an outfielder, quite honestly, on, what, 25% of major league teams? Look at some of the bottom. I think you're being being, uh, understating that. I think you'd be on probably as much as half of the major league teams right now. My point exactly. So, as modest as I'm trying to make this sound, and I'm really just, I'm, I really am trying to make this sound light, but he's without a question a major league player. He's proven that. Why he's not getting this chance in Cleveland, and honestly, why they didn't float him on the trade block. That's not public, obviously, but why there weren't any reports of his name being discussed in trades, 
you and I are pretty much on an agreement at this, and you just said it yourself about how, yeah, he could be a starter on half these teams in the major leagues. Why wouldn't a Baltimore or a San Francisco or a, a team that's not doing so well right now not want to give up one of their best guys and have Yandy Diaz not just as a prospect chip, but as one of the centerpieces in a deal. He can be a third baseman in the major leagues. Cleveland has opportunity for him. They're not giving it to him. And quite honestly, if, if he's thinking about it and he's seeing it and he's got to be feeling it, he should feel frustrated at all this. So I don't know what he has to do, but apparently kissing butt has to be one of them. Yeah, and this is kind of appropriate that this is all happening, you know, with uh, Jesus Aguilar making the all-star team in Milwaukee, and, you know, this is bringing all that back to light, and fans are questioning whether or not the Indians gave up on him too soon, and we might be watching almost the same exact uh, scenario play out once again before our very eyes. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, Terry Francona, you know, seemed to have a problem with Aguilar, and now he seems to have a problem with uh, Yandy Diaz, and... I don't buy the argument that, you know, Yandy Diaz is not fully developed defensively, which is the excuse that Terry Francona has gone on record with, saying that he they want to see him develop more defensively. Because, as you said, they play Jason Kipnis in the outfield. You play Melky Cabrera in the outfield. Now, I know Melky has a track record. Kipnis is an established major leaguer. These are all established guys that Terry Francona probably but, but trusts. But how's that worse? But how's Yandy worse is exactly. what I don't get. Exactly. Melky Cabrera's defensive metrics are terrible in the outfield this year, in right field. And I don't see how Yandy could be any worse than Melky defensively. I don't see how he could be any worse than Melky offensively. Melky has been, again, a shade of a miserable offensively. If you go by, like, weighted runs created plus and uh, weighted on base average, stuff like that. Uh, and uh, in war, he's like neg- he's, at, he's in the negatives in, in, in war for fan graphs. So I don't see how Yandy is any worse offensively or defensively than, than Melky Cabrera is. And then also, you know, going back to, you know, playing uh, Kipnis in the outfield, playing Melky in the outfield, Harry Conan to me, lost credibility with this argument when he played freaking Michael Martinez in center field on a regular basis. Uh, don't mention that name. That name makes my blood boil, but go on. I hope – I wish him all the best in his injury recovery, but even, even still, yeah, that – Playing Michael Martinez in the outfield was during a, a pennant chase was just uh, that. That to me is why I don't buy into this argument, and I don't see how Yanni Diaz is worse than any of these options I mentioned that Terry Francona has willingly uh, and willfully put these put these guys out in the outfield defensively, even though that they, they might not lack the experience or the uh, the talent to be able to uh, put up good numbers defensively. I just don't see how Yandy Diaz is not an upgrade for any of these guys. And with the Indians hurting for outfielders, you know, Yandy hasn't played a lot of outfield this year, I understand. But Jason Kipnis didn't play any outfield. He hadn't played any outfield since uh, he was with the Scrappers when he, after he was drafted. And the Indians stuck him out there. Um, you get, bring up Yandy Diaz, give him some reps out there and during batting practice and during uh, drills, pregame stuff. Uh, maybe DH him a couple of times, something like that, and then uh, let him get his feet wet, and then get him, then start sending him out there for the uh, stretch run. I think that uh, even if he isn't great defensively, I think that what he could bring offensively could help offset that, at least better than what uh, Melky Cabrera does. 
I, I, again, everybody's going to say track record, track record, track record with Melky Cabrera, and I'm not going to disagree with that, but track record doesn't mean what he's doing now. And what he's doing now is not good, and that's plain and simple. And I just don't see how uh, Yandy Diaz cannot help this team. You, you, you cannot make a case to me that makes uh, enough degrees of sense that to where you can say that Yandy Diaz does not help this Indians roster as it stands right now. No, like I said, it's just a matter of they're running out of excuses. By the way, Francisco Lindor just homered for the Indians, 28 on the air. Um, the Indians are running out of excuses. What, what honestly I think could happen is Yandy Diaz gets on the 40-man roster in September because that's what's going to happen. He's going to get called up. And he just straight up balls out, and he shows them, like, hey, I deserve this. I'm playing for – he might be taking it as playing for his shot on the postseason roster. Regardless if it's just uh, just the 40-man call-up, because that's what's going to happen. Honestly, why doesn't he get more reps in the outfield in Columbus if all of this is true? And I'm not disagreeing with you whatsoever on Melky Cabrera, because he's a shell of what he once was. But I don't know if Chris Tremme is doing him any favors, and I'm not calling Chris Tremme out because the organization has a say in this as well, as to why Yadi Diaz is to get more reps in the outfield in Columbus. I... I don't know, and I can't uh, provide an answer to that, but, you know, I, I go back to what happened with uh, with uh, his uh, game where he, his first game up in Cleveland this year, he had four hits, including a, a triple and two RBIs. He doesn't get a start the next day. He has to come in late as a uh, as a pinch, as either a, pin, a defensive replacement, a pinch hitter, I don't remember the exact situation, but it was the game where the Indians won 16-3, so it came in for, looking for somebody, uh, give them a breather, and he logged one at bat, and then he got a hit in his one at bat in the, in the game the next day against Texas. And so, to me, for him to go four for six in, on July 20th against Texas with a triple and two RBIs, and him not to get the start the next day, I think is, I think is something that deserves uh, raising an eyebrow to because there is something between him and Terry Francona that we don't know is going on behind the scenes. Probably something similar to what happened to uh, with him and Hazy uh, uh, Sagar. I mean, we all remember the uh, the infamous situation uh, scenario where uh, we saw Chris Jimenez play first base in a playoff run during a playoff run. Uh, against the the Astros uh, over Jesus Aguilar, Chris Jimenez, a backup catcher, and all due respect to Chris Jimenez, not a great and productive one, uh, was playing first base over Jesus Aguilar, who at the time was a top prospect for the Indians, and he was up in Cleveland. So during a playoff run down the stretch in like late August, September, you play a backup catcher who really has nothing more to offer than what he what he has already, and you play him over over Jim and you play him over your top uh, first base prospect at the time, and Jesus Aguilar. It, it made no sense to me then, and this makes no sense to me now. I hate to call out Terry Francona because I think that he has done more good for this team in this city mm. than any manager in recent memory. Uh, yeah, but at the same time, there's accountability. You know, like. But, I'm not saying Jesus Aguilar would have been an all-star with Cleveland, but what if? 
you know, it leaves us asking. You can't, you can't tell me that Francona doesn't favor veterans over these younger prospects because of, you know, look at Rajay Davis versus Greg Allen. There's plenty of cases to be made as to why Greg Allen shouldn't be in Cleveland right now. Similar deal with Yandy Diaz. It's Yandy versus Melky versus Kipnis versus all these factors for no reason. It just doesn't make sense. Unless this is a bona fide, legit prospect like Zimmer, um, even to a degree like Lindor was in 15 when they called him up. You're not getting a, you're just not going to get the benefit of the doubt. And that's what, that's where Terry Francona's Achilles heel is. You may not call, you may not want to call him out, Jake, but I will. I have no problem calling out someone who won't give a guy that's doing what Yanni Diaz is doing right now. There's no justification to keep him in AAA other than the fact that, you know, there is none. Honestly, you can play at third base. You can move Ramirez to second. You can move Kipnis to the outfield. It's happened before. He can't make an excuse on that. You could bring Yandy Diaz up. You could play him in the outfield. The defensive metrics can't be that far off from Melky Cabrera's. I'm sorry. And the hitting is going to be there. We saw what he did in Texas. That excuse is out the window. There's simply just no reason as to why Yandy is it's festering at this point in AAA. And like we said, we also said it. He's playing third base for half these teams in the league right now. But he's not doing it in Cleveland because of some of that little bit of bias towards these veterans and honestly, in our minds, because we're saying baseball people, there really it just isn't a justifiable reason. None that I can see, and I've gone over this in my mind a whole lot uh, lately. And uh, I don't, especially when I looked at his numbers since the All-Star break, he's just continued to improve and get stronger. And he's done that pretty much every year since he's moved up through the system. You know, he he's been about as consistent a hitter as anybody, but he's gradually improved. And as his time with each affiliate has gone on, and now he's doing it with Columbus, which means, hey, the next he's ready to move up to the next level, which is Cleveland. But uh, when is that opportunity going to come, and is it ever going to come? And that's something that I think Terry Francona is going to have to answer to at some point. And it can't be the typical, oh, we want him to continue to develop. It's like he has nothing left to develop in Columbus. I'm sorry. I, I, the same I, thing happens with Greg Allen, too. It's the same thing with Greg Allen. He's proven he could play AAA, but for whatever reason, and I, Rajay Davis has done great for the city of Cleveland in two years. But that's besides the point of Greg Allen could play center field if you let him and you let him get into an everyday routine in Cleveland. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, I think we've ran it enough for that segment. Uh, let's uh, Before we get to our players of the week, uh, let's get to uh, on a bit of a happier note. Uh Corey, your scrappers have some uh, some exciting news uh, on a few different players. Uh, first of all, we have Jose Nelson being named New York Penn League Hitter of the Month for July. I mean, as I pull up his numbers now, I mean, he, you can't uh, point to a guy who's been more locked in for the scrappers. I mean, other than maybe Tyler Freeman uh, in the month of July than Nelson. I mean, he really put together uh, an impressive an impressive month of July, and uh, again, uh, just give me a second as I pull up his numbers here. But in the month of July, uh, Nelson batted 340 in 28 games. He had five homers, 22 RBIs, uh, seven doubles to go along with seven doubles, five walks, 35 strikeouts. So he struck out a little bit, but you know he's putting the bat to the ball. He was getting on base. He's really uh, swinging for some good power. And uh, his power really came through in, in uh, 
July, during June, you know, he was only played in seven games, but he only had one extra base hit, three RBIs. Uh, so, July, he's really taken off, and he's putting together his best season in his career to date. And uh, really nice to see him start to uh, pan out early on and put together some of those good offensive numbers because, you know, former ninth-round pick, so, you know, he's not a high, uh, high-round high pick, but he's right, kind of right in the middle there. Uh, and if, if he starts uh, putting together the good numbers, he'll start to gain some traction because of that. Uh, but Nelson, uh, player of the month or hitter of the month for, in the New York Penn League for July. Oh, he got player of the month. That's what's even more impressive. Uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know how all the awards work because sometimes they're different for different leagues. Yeah, it's odd. But, um, yeah, player of the month. He's entering today on uh, Tuesday as we record this. Third in the league in home runs, tied for second with Tyler Freeman in RBIs, and he ranks third in slugging. He's slugging 503 on the season. Um, he, he kind of has calmed down in the month of August since, but, um, yeah, Nelson's been consistent number four or five hitter in Jim Pangovitz's batting order, consistent power threat. Um, he barrels the ball. I mean, when he hits it, he hits it. And, um, you know, he, he kind of had a down year last season, his first season in Mahoning Valley. Um, he played in 42 games, which he actually matched tonight. So we get to compare. This is kind of nice. We get to compare his stats through 42 games in each season. He's hitting 287 this year compared to 240, excuse me, 240 last year. The power's up. He only hit a home run. He only hit one home run last year. He's got seven already. He's at the 30 RBIs. Uh, the thing is, he's kind of striking out. Uh, a little bit more. The strikeout and walk numbers have never really evened up. He's always struck out a lot, so it's nothing new there, but the on-base is up still the, as the batting averages, and uh, he's good right now for an 8-12 OPS. So, yeah, he's been a good power threat for the Scrappers this season and a well-deserved Player of the Month award, but if there was a runner-up to that, it might have been Tyler Freeman. Yeah, and uh, he did... Even though he didn't win uh, that award, he did get some recognition still by uh, earning the a spot on the MLB Pipeline Prospect Team of the Week. And boy, you know, just just looking at his numbers, it's it's so hard to believe. And you know, you think about these guys who get off to those kind of starts, and you think, all right, it's just a hot start. Let's see what happens when he cools off. We're 47 games into the season. Tyler Freeman is still batting 388. With a 998 OPS, I mean this yeah. is this is more than just a hot start. This is a guy who, one is clearly far in a way advanced for the league, and uh, clearly has some good hitting talent. That we'll see how it pans out when he faces uh, higher level competition in uh, uh, Lake County and potentially Lynchburg at some point uh, this year or next year, and then and then beyond uh, in the upper levels, but. Uh, at the same time, you know, you look at what he's done this year, what he's come back from with the surgery and the injuries, and, you know, he's really had a chip on his shoulder trying to come back from that and uh, prove himself. And, boy, he's done that and then some. And you talk about what he did in the month of July, uh, 327 average, 400 on base, 515 slugging percentage, two homers, 13 RBIs in 27 games. Uh, he also had six stolen bases in the month of July, so he really got the speed game going, too. He has eight now in the season. So, yeah, I would say that uh, he's probably a close uh, second to Jose Nelson for uh, uh, Player of the Month uh, last month. But, 
he's really been the the heart and soul of the cap or the Scrappers lineup rather. Uh, you, you want to know something about Freeman real quick? Yeah, sure. Guess how many statistical categories he leads the league in? Uh, how many? Seven. That's yeah. That's that's insane. That, and, we, and he's he's yeah. on, he's poised to break like uh, Andrew Kalika's record, which you know we didn't know was if it, that would be broken anytime soon. You know he's I think he's right on par with Kalika. Didn't Kalika finish within a three eighty eight average last year? Kalika three eighty eight, and Freeman's way 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 on pace to break the doubles record. It's only a twenty five. The Scrappers' doubles record. He's he's at 20 already. He is 19th and 20th on the season. Um, he leads the league in average hits, doubles, total bases, on-base slugging, and OPS. And he's on a 19-game hitting streak that got extended today. So I don't, he hasn't gotten a weekly or monthly accolade yet in the New York Penn League. And I'm, like, shocked over that. He's, without a question, been... The league, if there's a league MVP award, he's got to be it. Well, he did get uh, one accolade, which is a little bit of breaking news as of today, I believe. Uh, but you can yeah. go ahead and uh, since you you work for the team and kind of uh, uh, send out all the news uh, and updates from the team, uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us uh, what's going on uh, with the uh, All-Star game? Yeah, that's right. Next uh, Tuesday, because... New York Penn League starts late. Their All-Star break is also late. Uh, New York Penn League All-Star game is going to take place in State College, Pennsylvania, home of the Spikes, which is affiliated with the Cardinals. Uh, five All-Stars made the, the uh, roster, the South roster it would be, for uh, from the Scrappers. Freeman, along with Jose and Nelson, two, two shoe-ins for selections. First baseman Rich, uh, Rich Mitch Reeves made it. Um, He's hitting 281 in 47 games, uh, four home runs, 27 RBIs. Just snapped a 12-game hitting streak, so he's been performing pretty well lately. I, I have the sentiment that Luis Oviedo would be in there if he Probably was still. Starting. With, yeah, he could be starting for the South team if he was still there. But um, regardless, Luis Santos and Randy Valadares, two relievers. Uh, Santos is tied for the league lead and wins. He's got five, a three-flat ERA and 24 innings pitched. Randy Valadares, uh, 3-0, 2.08 ERA, and a uh, 1.04 whip. So he's been solid out of the Scrappers' bullpen. So it was released today. Five uh, Scrappers are going to State College for the All-Star game. And Freeman and Nelson, I feel like, should start. Reeves easily comes, could come off the bench, and then Santos and Valadares in relieving roles. So there's going to be some good representation going uh, to the All-Star game next week. Yeah, good for the Scrappers, uh, given that, you know, they had to see uh, guys like Oviedo and Clemmer, two guys who probably could have been uh, all-stars, and Oviedo probably, again, starting for uh, the South team for uh, the New York Penn League, but uh, still got some good representation there, and they, they deserve it. They've been uh, playing really well this season, and uh, both on an individual and on a team level. So, uh, yeah, we look forward to uh, – seeing and hearing how they perform in uh, State College, and uh, hopefully they have a good time at it, too. Um, but for now, Corey, we're getting towards the end of the show, which means it's time to uh, unveil our Player of the Week, and we're going to stay right with the Scrappers team because a guy who 
I don't know if we've ever discussed on this podcast, or maybe it's just been more off the air between you and me, but Henry Pujols, infielder and third baseman specifically for the Scrappers, uh, has been lighting it up like nobody else in the farm system right now over his last uh, eight games. I mean, he's got a 531 batting average in his last eight games, 17 hits and 32 at-bats, two homers, four doubles, eight RBIs, a walk and seven strikeouts. I mean, there is there has as good as a you know Freeman, Jose Nelson, Mitch Reeves have been. Is there anybody hotter in the Scrappers lineup right now than Henry Pujols? Uh, no, he just snapped a nine-game hitting streak tonight. MILB.com recognized him as the New York Penn League batter of the week. Uh, for what that's worth, how about these numbers over that week that he got that accolade for? He hit 556 with two homers and eight RBIs in seven games. He, he's been absolutely on fire. His average, his batting average over the last 10 games has been raised 101 points. He was at 163 at July 28th, and today on August 6th as we record this, he's at 264. It, it's been an unbelievable turnaround. He, he, his walk-up song is John Cena's theme. John Cena's motto is, you can't see me. No one saw this coming with Henry Pools, quite honestly. Now, that's not to say, you know, he, he's, he's got talent. He, show, he showed it in the Arizona League last season. Um, he had a pretty solid outing. Uh, and then the Dominican Summer League the year before. He had 239 last year in the Arizona League at only age 18. So you figure he had some growing to go. But a slow start this season, you know, kind of made you think twice, and then boom, here he is. So over the last week or so, and a week and a half, it's been really fun to watch Henry Pools. He's slowly crept up Jim Pankovitz's lineup as well. He was hitting seventh for a while. Now he's hitting fifth. And he's really providing a good support for Hosea Nelson, who's been hitting four. I mean, the top five of that scrapper's lineup has been pretty solid with, with Jose Fermin and then Freeman, Reeves, Nelson, and Pujols. Um, that's been a really nice core over there. So, yeah, Pujols, absolutely monster week. No one better deserving in the system than him for that player of the week. Yeah, I didn't I didn't even bother to look at some of the other players. I mean, not that other players didn't have good weeks, but, you know, not. I don't think anybody in the system was batting over 500 this past week and posting an, an OPS over 1,400. So uh, that's uh, very, very impressive for Pujols and much deserving of the New York Penn League batter of the week and now the Farm Report player of the week. So uh, good on him. To review our picks from last week, uh, I got looks like I'm going to be able to gain some ground this week as uh, my pick, Kaya Tom, uh, batted 292 with a double, an RBI, seven hits and 24 at bats, three runs scored, a walk and six strikeouts, a 652 OPS. Not the a stellar week, but still maintaining the uh, the a little bit of the hot streak that he's been on for the last uh, uh, couple weeks. And uh, as for your pick, Andrew Kalika, I think he only pay, played in two games. I think this is a typo here. But uh, he had two hits and seven at-bats, one RBI, uh, no walks, three strikeouts, uh, 286 average for what it's worth two games. I know it's not worth a lot, but uh, a 661 OPS. So uh, I don't know if Kalika may have been day-to-day with some kind of injury or something, but he just didn't play a lot this week. And uh, only two games – not a lot to go on there, so uh, yeah, Kai Tom, Dick. I think he's gonna give me some points there and give me a 
to help me gain a little ground back in the standings here. I gotta, I gotta make a, a a nice push down the stretch here to try to make a uh, competition out of this. Yeah, it was a slow week for me. Um, they were close though. Kalika and Tom were pretty close. Yeah, just if Kalika had played some more games, yeah, it would have been it would have been a lot closer. But uh, all right, so uh, looking ahead to next week though, uh, Corey, who? Well, I'll go first this week since. Uh, yeah, you got the honor. Yeah, I got the honor this week. Um, I think I'm going to. Hmm. I think I'm going to go with a guy who has been playing pretty well or pitching pretty well of late, and I think that's going to be. I think it's going to be Oviedo. I think that's who I'm going to go with this week because I think that. Uh, Lake County is going to be interesting, an interesting adjustment for him, and uh, but I still think that his stuff is good enough to uh, continue to uh, carry him. So uh, yeah, I think Oviedo is going to be my pick this week, and uh, see how he does in in Lake County and uh, how he adjusts to a higher level of competition. But I think he's going to adjust well, so uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go big and say Oviedo. Man, you took my pick. Um, I wanted Oviedo. If I couldn't take a scrapper because of the all-star break, I was going to take a former scrapper and just the way he lit up his first start in Lake County, that made it easier. Um, so that means I'll have to defect. I'm going to take Connor Maribel, who we've talked about him before this, and he's kind of flying under the radar still as an outfielder. Um, he's, he's back in Akron. He's hitting 300 in his last 10. Um, he just snapped a hitting streak. It, I believe it was nine games. Um, he just snapped a pretty pretty good hitting streak. He's he's looked good this season. He's hitting 294 across uh, Columbus and Akron, and that's including 296 in Akron. Um, he's put together solid numbers, so I'm gonna go Carmel Maribel this week. That's actually not a bad pick. I, I, now that I think about it earlier today, I was thinking about him as one of my picks. So if you want, if if it that makes you feel any better. That might have been my pick, so maybe we stole each other's. <laughs> it's good consolation. I'll take that for consolation. All right. Uh, well, before we go, Corey, we spent a lot of, uh, boy, another over hour here, uh, more than an hour-long show, but we had a lot to talk about. Uh, but uh, it's time to uh, wrap things up, and uh, that we, as we always do every week, uh, final thoughts. Uh, my final thought's going to be my plug, actually. If you check out mvscrappers.com, you'll like this, Jake, and I informed you about this. I caught up with former scrappers and rubber ducks and just all-around great guy, Dave Wallace, um, former scrapper player and manager. Uh, I wrote a piece. I interviewed him for a piece for the mvscrappers.com website. I uh, just talked about some of the days in Mahoney Valley that he spent. Obviously, played no two. He played 45 games there, and then he managed some guy named Francisco Lindor. I don't know if you ever heard of him uh, in Mahoney Valley in 2011. So he went from the diamond to the dugout. Now he's in the front office kind of in Cleveland roving around as an assistant, and uh, it was good catching up with him. So check out the conversation with uh, Dave Walsh. It's on mvscrappers.com. Sounds good, and uh, I, I, I have not had a chance to read that yet, but I look forward to it because uh... – yeah, Dave Wallace is a great guy and uh, definitely uh, one one of the nicer people you'll ever meet in, in this game and uh, has a bright future as a coach and possibly a future major league manager. 
And, uh, yeah, I got, I ran into him earlier this year in Lake County, and, yeah, it was great to see him. And uh, he remembered me, and we got to talk a little bit, catch up. He's, yeah, such such a great dude. And uh, I, I look forward to reading that article and because uh, he has that interesting perspective, having been in Mahoney Valley both as a player and as a manager. So, uh, yeah, check that. Uh, I urge everybody to check that out if you get a chance on uh on uh, Scrapper's website. Uh, my final thought is going to be a little bit of a congratulation to uh, former Indians farmhand Martin Cervenka, who has been lighting it up in Bowie this year. Uh, he was named Eastern League Player of the Month for July, batting 364 in 20 games with seven homers and 25 RBIs in 20 games. He's got 10, 10 walks versus 12 strikeouts, really showing some uh, good plate discipline there. And uh, then he had a 758 slugging percentage to go along with a 436 on base, an OPS of nearly 1,200. I mean, that's just impressive. And on the year, he's batting 261 with uh, with Bowie. He's got 12 homers, 52 RBIs, a 311 on base, 453 slugging, 764 OPS. He's just been pretty solid all around, but July really – is when things took off for him. And uh, he's a guy who the Indians thought highly of when he was in the system, but unfortunately, you know, just things didn't work out with his uh, service time and everything. But uh, glad to see him doing well with Bowie, and uh, hope he's able to uh, hope he's able to make it up to uh, Baltimore and, uh, and, and make good in the major leagues. And uh, congrats to him on the uh, Player of the Month award for the Eastern League. Uh, good to see him doing well there. Yeah, big congratulations. It's funny how, and we saw this with Jesus Aguilar, I guess, how sometimes an afterthought to one system can mean pretty positive things for another. And, you know, Cervenka is hitting, you know, he's at 26 years old. He kind of had trouble getting out uh, of his own shell. He couldn't get past high A with the Indians. And here he is in double A, give him that chance in double A. And you can see what he does for you. So, yeah, big congratulations to him. That's really good to see. All right, very good to see. And uh, uh, for us, that is going to be it for this week. Uh, for us on Twitter, you can follow us at uh, CD Christen and Jake D Baseball. Uh, get us all of your uh, prospect questions and anything you want to talk baseball, you can uh, hit us up there. Follow the Smoke Signals account at Smoke Signals IBI and the uh, site account at official underscore IBI. Uh, get all our links there, all of our uh, podcasts there, everything you need for uh, Indians Baseball Insider related needs you can find uh, between those two accounts. And uh, for us on uh, iTunes, you can subscribe and uh, leave a nice rating and spread the word. That is all we ask. Uh, Corey, it's been a pleasure once again this week. I know we've been a bit long this week, but there's so much to get to, and I'm glad we were able to uh, cover a lot of ground. Uh, but until next time, uh, for Corey Kristen and the Ball Court Podcast, I'm Jake Duncan, and we say to you, have a good one. For questions and comments, you can email us at smokesignals at indiansbaseballinsider.com. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at smokesignalsibi where you can find links to all our shows, as well as poll questions and other cool podcast stuff. Thanks again for listening.